Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. Sid, I'm getting over this little cold bug. It never even got very serious. I didn't take a day off or anything. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't COVID. You have to specify that. I feel like it gets awkward. We tested. It wasn't COVID. It's just a little bug. Especially but- when you have kids with allergies. Who were just like during the spring, just constantly kind of sniffly. I feel like that I am frequently announcing loudly to other adults. They don't have COVID. And kids have no mechanism for getting rid of snot in like a (laughs) discreet manner. So it's just like, let me just blow this in my hand and rub it on my forehead. There we go. Perfect. Just letting you all know. they. I did check. I I am being responsible. It's it's given my voice this little bit of, you hear it, right? You're loving it. I can tell over there Mm -hmm. from, from when we recorded before the other podcast and you were like hubba hubba i'm becoming very excited yeah i I don't blame you i'll tell you what i'm not (laughs) excited about though sid and i think i'm like a lot of parents in this way in fact i think it's weird that you're so fixated on how sexy my voice is when we're in the middle of a national crisis Uh, sorry when we're in the middle of (laughs) one of perhaps a dozen national crises been true for a while that uh so you probably are aware that we're in the middle of a baby formula shortage, an infant formula shortage. Infant formula is more, I don't know, I guess either way. You know what I mean when I say baby formula. Baby formula does, I will grant you, and perhaps this is what you're getting at, it does sound like a uh, a very polite way of referring to uh, ejaculate. So I, if that's what you meant, <laughs> not what I, I meant. think infant formula is par- perhaps more proper. I do agree baby formula could be misconstrued. Um, yes, the, this has been going on and it has gotten quite dire recently. And uh, it occurred to me that while we have sort of tangentially discussed a little bit of the history of formula on a breastfeeding episode, actually, yes. very long time ago, one of our time. very early episodes. That would have been... When Charlie was in utero, right? Mm-hmm. It was. I think it was before I had given birth. So it was about the. I think it was because Back when I was we knew doing nothing about anything. Well, <laughs> I was doing a lot of research at the time on breastfeeding because I intended to breastfeed, and so I I was in the midst of it. Um, and we talked a little bit about some of the things that people came up with throughout the years, uh, other than breast milk. Um, we didn't get into the nitty gritty of how formula as we know it today was developed. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about why we're in the midst of a shortage and why some of the solutions people are proposing are not good ideas. Many of us on the podcast aren't even exactly sure what's in formula. Well, I can, you know, unlock that mystery for you. Thank you. 
Um, a lot of people, by the way, have uh, written in and, and suggested this topic while I was already sort of in the midst of I've been working on it, putting it together. So I, it's not that I'm not giving you credit. We, we just it was one of those. Uh, what is it when we saw you simultaneously come up with an idea like two people at the exact same There's time a word for it? I We've talked about know. it on the show before. Um, anyway, I'm just going to say at the top of the show, there are people out there suggesting ways to make your own infant formula. Don't do that. I just want, I'm going to get into it more, but I just want to, in case people like case halfway your, through your abandon the show, or your, yeah. don't make your own formula. That's yeah, not, it's not a good way. idea. We're going to go through all the reasons, but, um, uh, so again, we covered a little bit about this in the past. People have been feeding babies things other than breast milk for a very long time for a variety of reasons, sometimes because they thought it was better or because they thought it was also needed like supplemental or for the heck of it. I don't know. Or, yeah, we didn't know anything. Or baby well, just got into something and it seemed okay. So or they didn't have it. breast milk, so they were just making do with what they sure, had. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, like, as we look back through history, and again, we've talked about some of these before, but, like, the Greeks gave babies honey and wine sometimes. Why not? <laughs> there, it was early on identified that milk from a human seems fairly similar to milk from other animals, other mammals. So why not allow a baby to nurse on an animal? If you don't have a human to nurse on, so yeah, I in my favorite film, in my favorite film, one of the actors in the film, the name of the film escapes me, but one of the actors in the film, he's performing a, a he's a, a father, I'm sorry, he says, um, one of the younger guys says, you can milk anything with nipples, right? And then um, the older gentleman says, Greg, I have nipples, could you milk me? And so that's a, it's like a classic comedic. Yeah, I didn't do bit. it justice, but no, but no, I know what you mean. Um, sometimes melted butter was thrown in there with a recognition that fat was important. Nice um, bread soaked in water. We talked about that a lot. Pap is what it was called, and like that was a that was sort of a mainstay if you didn't have some other sort of milk product. Um, and uh, and for most people, these were usually either used as supplements, like I'm going to give the baby this too, um, to nursing, um, or if you if you, for whatever reason, if they didn't have a caregiver who could nurse, you would try to find a wet nurse, right? Mm. This was sort of the idea. It wasn't like, it, it was all just trying to make do, right? And so if you could, you would pay somebody to nurse the child for you mm -hmm. for whatever reason. You didn't want to or you couldn't or whatever. And if you did use an animal, by the way, that's called dry nursing. Oh, really? I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah. If it's just animal milk, that's dry nursing. Um, we don't, recommend that anymore we never recommended it it was just what people did but uh no you know what someone, someone recommended, recommended it, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm certain someone recommended um as we talked about again previously it also took a while for bottles to develop so if you're going to right intentionally right. feed an infant something other than breast milk you need a way to give it to the baby yeah and initially it was just like i don't know get like a clay pot try that or get like an animal horn yeah. Like with a hole, you know, you can kind of see where at least you're getting like a shape, like a sort of shape of it. You like could also do a lot of people would go with um, goat stands, which is basically like a keg stand, but with a goat. So you kind of lay the goat down and then just hold, hold the, baby the baby upside down its ankles and be like, slam it, baby. <laughs> yes. You're finally in Phi Kappa Delta. We, t we, t we talked about this uh, in that old episode, but th with the pap that they would make, which, was, again, was like bread that you would soak to the point in water where it was just this sort of like gruel, mushy 
thing. Yeah. And then you would We've put it in this. We've all accidentally gotten water on bread. We don't need to get into this. <laughs> you would put it in this, in a spoon that had like a hollow tube attached to it to like blow it into the baby's mouth. Hachi machi. Which like I was thinking about like, what would this look like? It, it's like a McFlurry spoon. <laughs> okay, perfect. So you put the, it's like you put the McFlurry it's spoon. It's amazing. The invention of the McFlurry was predicated <laughs> by the McFlurry spoon. We knew. We knew that this was important. We just didn't know why. Uh, it was really not until the mid-1800s that you see the introduction of, like, a bottle and, like, rubber nipples. Like, the kind of things that were the predecessors of what we would use today, right? Like, the, the early the early forms of those things. They were actually pretty effective, mimicked more what a, you know, a human breast would be like. And so was a better tool for feeding a baby. Um, and this was a lucky time to be a baby compared to previous times in yeah. history because not only did we have uh, devices that were easier to use to feed the baby, like bottles and nipples, um, but they were cleaner than mm. drinking. Like a lot of the things that they would use previously to feed babies, like because we didn't really understand germ theory or anything, you would just have like milk or water and like some food substance and different, like I said, melted butter, whatever, like food substances sitting in something and it wouldn't be cleaned properly in between. Uh, yeah. And so you can imagine how contaminated. So it's actually a little more sanitary, weirdly. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was more sanitary because we're also moving into the era where we come up with pasteurization. So all of a we're sudden we moving, can moving into the area yeah. where we can uh, properly treat milk so that it won't give you bacteria that will that's, kill you. That's easy. Put it in the fridge. I don't know why they didn't. But, <laughs> well... No, they didn't. Well, Just they put didn't. Put it in the fridge. No, that's not enough. What? You got to pasteurize it first. You got to kill all the bacteria first. Uh, heat it up. Yeah, but after that, you leave it in the fridge. Well, yeah, after that, you leave it in the fridge if you had a fridge, but they didn't have a fridge yet. Yeah, that's kind of what I was. It wasn't a good, I mean. Well, but you can't just put it straight in the fridge or drink it straight from the cow. We've, we've, Don't do those we've things. We've gotten off the track. But when did we figure out? Uh, that animal milk and human milk were not the same. Because that seems like, I mean, that was probably a big hang-up, right? Like, I don't know. It feeds cows, and they're, like, bigger than us, so it could probably swing a baby. It's, like, much smaller. It tasted different. Yeah, but why would you have any, especially at that point, with our, with our very sort of... Uh, Rudimentary. Yes, that's a good word. Understanding of nutrition. How would you ever know why that was better or worse, right? Um Well... They had some suspicions by the 1800s because they had started to note that infants that were fed only animal milk and no breast milk actually had, like, more GI problems. They were more likely to be dehydrated. And in general, their mortality was higher okay. than breastfed infants. And so they knew there was something different in in the nutrition they were getting. They just didn't really understand what. stands to reason to us modern folk for for lots of reasons, but probably was pretty big revelation back then. Yeah, and this is and this is outside of like the idea of like antibodies and stuff that that can be given, you know, mm, crossed right. in breast milk. I just mean, you know, the nutrient composition. The, yes, that yeah. was obviously if you. There's a reason we do not advise giving a newborn straight up cow's milk. Right, there are reasons for that, and this is what they were seeing. Um, so in 1838, Johann Franz Simon published what was like the first chemical makeup comparison of human milk and cow's milk, right? Where we first finally look at the, the two substances and say, oh, 
okay, these are the differences between them. Because once we found the differences, then you could start trying to fix the cow's milk so it's more like the human's milk, mm -hmm. right? Um, so they, the biggest difference that they found is that cow's milk generally is higher in protein and lower in carbohydrates. Oh, okay. So it wouldn't be as uh, sweet. Yes, but also like there's stuff you need there. Like you need the carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. You're and the our especially little little newborn baby bodies weren't always necessarily as good at breaking down all that protein. Mm. Mm. And and they needed more carbohydrate. There's have, also like some differences with fats that we would later discover. We evolved and, specifically for this to be a good food for babies. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's the thing to remember. It's a one-to-one. -one. And that's it's a true one -one. For, <laughs> for every like mammal pairing. Right. Like cow's milk is specifically what baby cows need. You know, human milk has evolved to be what baby humans need. Although you can probably find some great TikToks of baby cows trying to uh, feed off of, like, mama bears. I, I bet that that is not a common occurrence in nature. Uh, I don't know. I think that there are, like, animals, like, cross-nursing each other. I feel like I've seen videos of that. I did just say. <laughs> I'm sure oh. there's TikToks of them. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that does happen. Yeah, like cute animal friends that shouldn't be friends. Like when a, you see like a cheetah, yeah. and he's got a little monkey friend, and they're like best friends. I love that. And that might work like for a little for a little nip, like a little, yeah, just a little. I mean, we can have a little, little nip snack. Of, we have a little nip of cow's milk. Yeah, sometimes. just a little. Yeah, it's like a snack, but like just not all the time. Um, so this led to the conclusion that okay, we can fix cow's milk if we add cream, sugar, and water. I'm getting hungry over we're, here we're gonna now. We're going to dilute it, good. and then we're going to throw in some cream and some sugar, some sweet and some fat, and we're going to fix the cow's milk, right? Okay. It's going to be more like human's milk. Um, but it was very unscientific. It was just like add it in there. To taste, probably. Probably, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, and they so they analyze the chemical composition. They could probably reverse engineer something approximating a recipe, right? Well, somebody did that. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> so, so that fell to... Uh, Justus von Liebig, who was the, who was a German chemist who had devoted his whole career to understanding nutrition and specifically fighting hunger. I think it's kind of interesting, uh, just as a little bit of a, a backstory, why von Liebig was so, like, why he was devoted to this. Why, mm -hmm. why was he driven why this? to this specifically? Um, in 1815, okay, so we're going back a little bit, Mount Tambor on the island called uh, Sumbawa in what is now Indonesia. It wasn't in Indonesia at the time. It is now Indonesia. Erupted. So it's this big volcano that erupted, okay? Mm -hmm. It was the most powerful volcanic eruption in human history. Have you heard of this? No, never have. Okay. Hmm. So because of this gigantic volcanic eruption in 1815, the like the big column of ash that this produced, like blocked the sun and lowered the global temperatures to the point that 1816, the following year, became known as the year without a summer. Oh, my gosh. Yes. On Earth? Yes. Wow. May, this was mainly a European concept. Right, but, yes, yeah. it would have affected global, affected temperatures all over the Earth. That's wild. But so, anyway, because – it was a year without a summer. I mean, and not literally, like it was probably warmer, but not normal temperatures. Because of this, crops failed. Oh, man. So there was no food. Ugh. So mass starvation, right? So in this summer, when there was no summer, 
and people were starving. And a 13-year-old, Eustace, was seeing this happen around him. He lived in Germany, and he's seen all these people have to eat rats because there was no food. They couldn't grow anything. Um, this is what, I mean, we can assume, we Something think. Like that'll get to you. Yeah, and, and it inspired his journey in life to study nutrition, to understand fighting hunger, to understand feeding people, um, and create what was the first baby formula, hmm. which is pretty cool. I think it's cool. Um, because, again, there was no perfect alternative to breast milk at the time. And so babies that were being fed anything other than, other than breast milk were being fed something nutritionally inferior, perhaps dangerous for them. So he invented um, Liebig-soluble infant food. Not <laughs> – I probably a super science genius. Again, you got to get marketers in here. Well – Baby juice. And see, here's the problem. So he, he comes up with the first baby formula. It's a powdered formula. Okay. okay? It's got some cow, a mixture of some cow's milk, some wheat flour, some malt flour, potassium bicarbonate. You would need something shelf-stable, I would imagine. Yes. That would be important in this and time. So, so he makes this. He makes these cans of this Liebig's soluble infant food. Sold it for, well, bottles. Sold it for a dollar a bottle in 1869 is when it went on the market for a dollar a bottle. Um, a dollar a bottle? Yeah. In 1869? Yep. Hold on a second. I'm going to do a conversion. You keep talking. Okay. Well, Justin. Yes. While you... <laughs> do some math. Okay. I'm going to head to the billing department. Oh, that's perfect timing. This has never worked out before. Okay, <laughs> let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl 
is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared? All I got at two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're going to talk about pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Hi, my name is Graham Clark, and I'm one half of the podcast Stop Podcasting Yourself, a show that we've recorded for many, many years. And uh, at the moment, instead of being in person, we're recording remotely, and uh, you wouldn't even notice. You don't even notice the lag. That's right, Graham. And uh, the great thing about this... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, and... Okay, go ahead. And you can listen to us uh, every week on MaximumFun.org. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Your podcasts. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But... Does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. All right, Sid, so that bottle of Leipzig Super Baby uh, Instant Soluble Baby Food, Mm -hmm. what have you, for $1.1869 would be uh, $21.26 today. So expensive. Expensive. Expensive stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was hard to formulate, and it it was expensive. Um, So he starts selling it. He's the first. But what happens? The big companies... Swoop in. They swoop in. First of all, Nestle's. Mm-hmm. Nestle's comes in first, and they make something similar, a, a powdered infant formula. And a, all of these have sort of like similar ingredients, slightly different amounts maybe of different things, but like generally these are the same ideas. Um, but this one has two key advantages. Nestle's has two key advantages that outcompete Liebig's. Um, first, it the Liebig formula was made to be reconstituted in warm's ca- warm cow's milk. So you still had to have milk, right? Right, right. Which, I mean, I guess if you had a cow, that's all great. But if you don't have a cow, you still got to buy milk. Um, and you're already paying whatever, 21 bucks a bottle. Uh, secondly, uh, and, and Nestle's, you just had to add water. So that's easier. Okay. Um, and then secondly, Nestle's was half the price, 50 cents a bottle. That is a steal. I mean, compared to... 
So Nestle's comes on the market, and that was not the only the only one who would sort of knock off this idea. By 1900, you could get like eight different infant formulas from the Sears catalog, mm. and all similar kind of approaches, um, and with varying costs, all between fifty cents and a dollar for a bottle, somewhere in there, with different advantages and things touted by each of the different manufacturers. But the problem, as you're probably already guessing, is that this is still expensive. This is still still very expensive. And if you are trying to raise a family and for whatever reason you're in a position where breast milk isn't an option, this is prohibitively expensive for most people. So they're still just going to turn to cow's milk because it's what they – it would be the same thing our parents would say today, right? Good enough for me. Yeah, right. Good enough for you as a kid. And they couldn't afford the alternative. Yeah. So they would have just done that. Um. Now, at this point, doctors also wanted to get in on the act because they're looking at all this and they're like, well, we're experts in what humans need. We're doctors. Like, why aren't we the ones coming up with these ideas? So they kind of uh, came up with, through some research, like a compounded formula, Mm -hmm. like their own sort of recipe for you to use. Like, okay, you can't buy these these formulas because they're expensive, right? Right. And you're not breastfeeding. So – the big idea for them is you got to dilute the protein. There's too much protein. We need to dilute it. Okay. So you take the cow's milk, you add some water, um, and then you put in – and it, they had exact amounts of cream and sugar. And then you could either take this order to a pharmacy and they would compound it for you just like they would like a medication. They would compound infant formula for you. Okay. Or you could take the recipe home and try to do it yourself at home. Mm. Either way – And that could also account for, with this sort of method of, like, the doctor giving you a recipe for your formula, Mm -hmm. you could also account for changes. Like, once pasteurization became widely accepted, they began to analyze pasteurized milk, and they found that it was lower in levels of vitamin D and C after it was pasteurized. Now, you still need to pasteurize it. Right. So you don't die of bacteria that could be in the raw milk, which is why you should not drink raw milk. Again. (laughs) Again. I think we've already done that episode, but just Some of you are still again. drinking raw milk, so. Uh, pasteurization was necessary, but you did need to supplement with vitamin D and C. So you could throw some of that in there uh, by way of orange juice and cod liver oil. So some of the some of the doctor's formulas got even more, you know, fancy. Yeah. Like you, you need with some milk, the, you need some water, the, you need some cream, you need some sugar, you need some cod liver oil, you need some orange juice. Now with a great orange flavor, kids go crazy <laughs> for it. This is how Sunny D was invented. Um, and this would be altered even further with it, within, like, this same time period. First condensed milk mm-hmm. was invented, which had a ton of sugar in it, right? It's delicious. It's yummy. They figured out pretty quickly, like, there is no way this is good for babies. That, that had to have been a moment of, like, oh, it's more concentrated. Is this? No, this can't be right. There's no way this is what we're supposed <laughs> to feed babies. It's too delicious. The babies are like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Hey. Some Eagle brand? Yeah, yes. I was all stressed out about a mortality rate right now, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, you want carbs, not that many carbs. So um, evaporated milk seemed to be a better option because you didn't add in all that sugar, right? But you're still, like, concentrating the milk, and it was more easily digestible, what you end up with when you go through the process of evaporating milk. Um, so you could use this to make a compounded infant formula that would become like the mainstay of infant nutrition for decades. Hmm. That there was this formula that your that your doctor would tell you, like you take 13 ounces of evaporated milk, you put in 19 ounces of water, and then two tablespoons of either corn syrup or table sugar. 
Oh, and you would throw in a, like a vitamin and an iron supplement too. Is this how is this how we got to the nomenclature of formula? This is like like why it's called that because yes. there was so much of this like ingredient blending that got to like something that you would want to give your kid. Yes, that's because that's exactly what they're trying. So they, I mean, they are they are starting with the natural product, human breast milk, and attempting to devise a chemical formula that will recreate it in a lab. I mean, that is basically what they're trying to do. And then, and they're usually using cow's milk as a base because it's a good jumping off point, right? Right. Okay, so throughout the early 1900s, while this is happening, (laughs) while people are making their evaporated milk formulas, which were, again, like the mainstay. For a very long time, the majority of infants were getting this evaporated milk formula, especially as breastfeeding went out of fashion eventually. Um, But scientists and physicians were still working on like something that would be, that would come in a can or a bottle or whatever and be perfect. Like not something you have to make at home. You could just sell it. Yeah. So they were still working on something like that. Um, And you see this introduced throughout this whole time period. Like it wasn't like as soon as it came to market, everybody switched to it. So, like, in 1926, the first Similac was developed, Mm. um, which is the word Similac, similar to lactation. Lactation. Yeah. So, Similac was first introduced in 1926, and there were other formulas that were introduced throughout, like, the 30s and 40s. There was uh, Infamil would would come up, and then Nutramagen. These are are things that are still... (laughs) (laughs) The brand was Nutramagen? Yeah, this is still a brand. Baby loves his Nutramagen. (laughs) There's another one called Alimentum. Like, these are still formulas today, and they sound very scientific because... This was the po- this was the selling point. Right. They are scientific. Right. But the thing is like even as these were introduced at the time nobody was buying them cuz it was still super expensive. And why would I bother? I can make the I got evaporated milk, I got cream and sugar. Like I got this stuff yeah. at home. Why would I mess with this? Yeah. Um and it really wasn't until the 50s when people started s- slowly you know, switching from these ratio-based homemade formulas that mm-hmm. they were told to use by their doctors um, to something that was seen as scientifically superior, medically superior, physician-recommended. And it took doctors a while to switch to recommending them too, but eventually they did because the science was on the side of these formulas. Mm-hmm. These are better. Yeah. Um, so if they if they sound really scientific, that was part of the marketing. It is. This is to build a better baby. Um <laughs> Well, and it worked so well that like there was this there was this peak in the sixties and seventies when breastfeeding rates were like twenty five percent of the public or something. But it was because this is scientifically proven to feed your baby. It's, I can't say that about your breast milk. Like, That's just like, coming out of your boob. It's like this bra- is science. It's like Brondo for babies. <laughs> it's got what babies crave. It was it was seen as like this is the better thing because like doctors and scientists spent years. I mean, decades trying to make this. They went through hundreds of different formulations to come up with exactly the nutrition that your baby needs. Um, and uh, and so it really, re- like I said, reached a peak in the 60s and the 70s. The American Academy of Pediatrics set standards for, like, the vitamins and mineral levels and the formulas so that, you know, things would – you could make sure that things were coming out right. Um, and the uh, the formula industry at this point also started distributing those little pre-filled bottles – you know, oh, yeah. like you can get in the hospital. Yeah. And that was a huge selling point because here you've just had a baby. You're, you know, you're stressed out. You're trying to get the baby to eat. And they can just hand you this pre-filled 
like, here it is. Just take it. Yeah. It's ready. It's ready to go. Here's one thing you don't have to think about. You don't have to stress about. Here's the food. Um, and so that really made uptake of those formulas go through the roof, you know, because that's so much easier than having to mix something up in your kitchen at home. Um, there were a couple of cases of, like, inappropriately mixed formula in terms of, like, diluting and the electrolyte sure. levels and stuff in the late 70s, which led to some babies having low sodium levels and being hospitalized. And because of that, in 1980, they passed the Infant Formula Act, which sort of codified the standards for formula and the standards for, like, testing and, like, the process of making the formula and making sure that, like, these companies that are going to do this are going to go through pretty rigorous processes to make sure that what they're sending into your home or your hospital room kind of wild that we weren't doing that already in a sense i guess maybe <laughs> well i mean that's that's the whole history of medicine oh, though sure, right like we start doing things and then somebody goes that seems like something we should regulate right like why are we just letting people do that mm. um so now we have formulas with cow's milk with soy milk we've got you know higher calorie ones for neonates we've got um like i said like elemental things that are easier to digest you know for for a variety of reasons. We have yeah. all kinds of different formulas. Yeah. Decaf. <laughs> Finally. Hopefully they're all decaf. I don't know what took so long. Um, and a lot of them, too, like the idea now is that you shouldn't have to supplement with like a vitamin D or with an iron or anything like that. It's all in there. It's in there. Right. Um, so why – What what is happening now with formula? So that's where we are. We have, we have formula, which is an excellent alternative to breast milk. Um, which gives your baby the n nutrition it needs to be great at basketball or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want your baby to do. You wait, yeah, be, run for office. <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever you want your baby climb to do. Climb Mount Everest. Um, Just all your baby dreams can be realized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we've we've come a long way with that, and and that's great. Um, except from November of last year to February of this year, they found four cases of newborns becoming quite sick with something called Chronobacter uh, Sakazakii. Sakazaki, and in most adults and older kids, this specific bacteria is not particularly harmful, but in newborns, the elderly, the immunocompromised, you know, people who are, are more vulnerable to these types of bacteria, um, it can lead to life-threatening infections, things like meningitis, brain abscesses, and in fact, two of these Children did did succumb Ugh. to this infection. Um, so the concern became after it was isolated that this was the bacteria responsible. Where did this come from? And this can grow in formula. Like this, this was this is known to be something that can contaminate infant formula if the appropriate processes aren't being done and okay. the checks aren't happening and all that kind of thing. Um, and so because there were these four cases. It led to this huge recall out of concern that what if it is in the formula, um, all of the affected products, and then one of the plants, uh, it was an Abbott Laboratories plant, was actually closed down as a result of this. And I will say, um, for what it's worth, they never did, they weren't able to isolate it in the factory and prove definitively where it came from, hmm. but there was enough in common i mean it's yeah. a better safe than sorry right like if i mean it, it's life-threatening so Let's, you know yeah yeah too so they shut down the plant and this dramatically reduced 
our stores of formula of in course, the United yeah. States. Um, because there are only four manufacturers in the U.S. The vast majority, like 95% of formula is domestically produced. We do not import very much formula at all um, because we have really high import tariffs. So in order to encourage people to buy American and to allow our American factories to succeed, we don't import formula. This is sort of a big sticking point politically for a lot of people because in Canada there is a there's a booming formula industry, um, maybe related to all the dairy there. I don't know. But there's a lot of formula. Um, and we could, if we were going to take imports, well, we could take imports from Canada. They're just really expensive. But we we do have the ability to have the FDA inspect their factories. Mm. And, like, it's not necessarily unsafe. Yeah. It's just expensive. Yeah. So we don't. Yes. Um, so it's not really to make, I mean, that would be the line, right? We don't import formula to maintain safety standards. Well, that's not entirely true. It's, it's really about making sure American manufacturers can sell their product. Right. It seems where they can't do like an emergency action to like lift those tariffs to get some Mm -hmm. baby formula out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It almost seems like you could. Mm, weird. Uh, then the other thing is that things get even more complicated with the WIC program, the Women, Infants, and Children program, which ensures that everybody um, can feed their children, which is wonderful. Uh, obviously, we should have the ability that even if you can't afford formula, it should be provided free to you and to your child because – I don't know, human decency. Um, but it gets complicated because each state awards the WIC contract exclusively to one formula manufacturer, uh, right. which gives so them a lot more shelf space in all the grocery stores in that state. I mean, other formulas can be in the state, but WIC, like your WIC certificate only buys that brand, right? And so if that brand then gets a recall, everybody who uses WIC in that state is in a is in bad sure, shape, course, right? Yeah. And so, like this, this is this can be disastrous. So now we have a formula shortage, um, and there are things they can do. Like this is really important if you do have WIC. A lot of people, if they found that they, and you can still check. I mean, I think um, the investigation is over at this point, but you can still go to the CDC website, um, and they have an entire section on this outbreak, and they tell you, like, you can go to the Abbott Nutrition website to find out if your product was one of the ones that was recalled. At this point, it is unlikely you have this. Right. Um, but you can still go check that if it's something that you're concerned about, because they were specific types of um, uh, Similac and Alimentum and Elicare were the were the recalls. And they have all the numbers and everything that you can check. Um, but if you did have, if you get your formula through the WIC program, they were really they wanted you to know don't throw it away because you can take it back and get something else like you can exchange it basically um and if you if you throw it away it would be harder to prove like i already used my wick to get you know i need something else and so that was part of it too and and a lot of states have already done that i know west virginia did allow you to get whatever mm-hmm. with your wick yeah you know, uh, funding so that that way you're not like tied into the only thing I can get is this and they're out of it. You can get anything. Um, but even with those sorts of things, it's a huge problem. Of course, yeah. Um, the factory I think will reopen shortly or already has, or like production should be restarting because the investigation has ended and they have felt, they feel like there's no longer a threat of new cases. Um, and they haven't found any since those four, uh, but we're still where we are. 
obviously don't hoard formula. I can't imagine any of our listeners would be the people doing that. Probably not. That would there, be wild. there are people doing that, um, reselling formula for money Just for an ahead. upcharge. Come on. I can't fathom anybody who listens to our show would do that. Yeah. But um, uh, and and then the other thing that has come from this are people saying like, here are ways to make your own formula. And I know you had asked me about one with like fruit and milk or something for older it's for older kids so the idea of making your own baby formula or baby food and things like that for over six months old i mean that there are lots of options for that right this is what i'm yes this is what they were talking about in the news making a blend of like i don't know i don't don't even i i'm not (laughs) giving medical (laughs) advice here so i'm not gonna sit around and tell you but well for, for six months plus i mean this is the tough this is the tough situation there is, as we've just charted the history of the development of formula, the point of it is there there just isn't anything that's like formula, formulas formula. Again, there's a reason we don't just use cow's milk. It's not the same. Couldn't you do the evaporated milk thing? Like, is that a recipe that... People- well, I, I wouldn't because, again, it was never proven equal yeah. to formula. I mean, so I wouldn't recommend any of these. And certainly what... Like something that you're getting from like a YouTube video or a TikTok or something like that. I would not recommend trying any of these homemade formulas because, again, like the the how can you use sterile technique at home to make these sorts of formulas? How can you not eh, – which I, I will say formula isn't technically sterile to begin with. But still, like there's a lot of room for dangerous things, for wrong proportions, for something to go wrong that, and you would inadvertently harm an infant. And mm. obviously nobody wants to do that. Um, if they did have a big, uh, section on the CDC website with the ad- advice of how to deal with this, that if you have a child who's supposed to be on specific formulas for perhaps like medical conditions, underlying issues, things like that, please talk to your doctor immediately. If you think you're not going to be able to get those products, um, because there was this discussion of like risk benefit ratios and maybe there are certain things you shouldn't throw away. So mm-hmm. like, please, if you have questions like that, you should be reaching out to your child's doctor or to your, uh, what, if you're the guardian, what, you know, to the child's doctor um, to discuss with them what the best move is. Um, but I do not advise making There could be a, your anything own formula. Be allergic reaction. Yes. Maybe like that is a possibility, contaminants. I mean, who, who knows? And and again, there are like a lot of the babies that we talked about that were dehydrated because they were getting the wrong proportions of sugars and fats and and proteins and all those different things and and liquid content and all of that again it's it's scientific it's formula it's made to be the perfect food for your baby I've just been, like breast milk is and I've been seeing a recipe card from like the 50s circulating um from this like of, of evaporated milk formula recipes that people have been sharing around so but it's hard because I understand again it's sort of like what we were talking about I understand this sort of argument, like, well, it was good enough for me or it was good enough for my kid or whatever. But, like, being from the generation where on long car trips, I was just sort of allowed to roll around in the back seat of the car unrestrained (laughs) because it would be hard for a kid to be in a seatbelt that long. Like, yes, I'm fine. Thank goodness. I'm still here. I would never recommend that to any, you know, parent or guardian today. I would always encourage you to use appropriate car seats, safety seats, booster seats, seat belts, depending on the age and weight of your child. I would never, ever encourage that, even though, yes, it was. I did survive that. Yes. <laughs> um, 
we we grow and we learn and we had made mistakes in the past and we learn from those mistakes and we don't repeat them and we should not this is not the best thing um and i know that that doesn't give you like a definitive answer as to what to do but i do think that it's important not to do something harmful Mm -hmm. um and then of course just as like a final word there are donors of breast milk that you can find sometimes Sometimes it's free. Sometimes you got to pay, and it's expensive to pay for breast milk. It really, I mean, as expensive as it was back in the day to buy formula. So take it from um, me. I've been trying to kick the habit for years. Um, <laughs> I'm going broke on this stuff, but I just love it. <laughs> but um, and and I mean, if you can find like a safe donor source, that's that's fantastic. Not everybody can, and certainly not everybody can or wants to or chooses to for whatever reason breastfeed. And so to just simply suggest <sighs> this this kind to talk- parents and guardians. That the solution is breastfeeding, just breastfeeding. About that, it makes me so mad. But like, who was it? Some celebrity. I think Bette Midler maybe stepped in it this week. Who's like, try breastfeeding? It's like, it. It's so infuriating that we have this society that has worked against breastfeeding, like actively in a culture, mm-hmm. I would say, in a society that has discouraged breastfeeding for so long. And then it's like, wait, why isn't everybody just breastfeeding? Because it's like, it's not just flipping a switch. Like, it would be akin to if there was a a food shortage and the everyone was like, just eat the stuff in your garden. It's like, yeah. well, not everybody has a garden. Like, we, we've moved away yeah, from that. Yeah, just go kill one of your chickens. Yeah, it's just, that why you don't have. you kill a chicken that you have? Like, we don't, we haven't encouraged a culture of breastfeeding for decades. Like, why would you, what, people don't understand, It's it's not like you can just pop out a boob and go to town. Like, no, it it's not is like some a, these stupid people, the stupid people are like, well, I've got to feed my baby somehow. I've got delicious milk coming out of my chest. Why did that never occur to me? Like there, there, if a baby stops nursing, it can be hard to get them. Some babies never get into it. Mm-hmm. Some babies so, just some, don't. Some, some parents choose not to breastfeed. Some parents, uh, try and just are unable to for a variety of reasons. We also don't um, have the resources to help people like to 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 support people who are try- attempting to breastfeed. Well, we don't give paid family leave. We don't make it easy to leave work, to have a flexible schedule, to feed your child or to pump or to do any of those things. We have no support for people who choose to breastfeed already. And so then to just suggest that like if you're not already doing it and you don't and you're not lactating to just induce lactation, it also assumes that there is a person who can lactate taking care of every infant, which is not true. It, it's ridiculous. It's um, that that is obviously not going to be a solution for the vast, vast, vast majority of people. Um, and and I say this as somebody who I I loved my breastfeeding experience. I was very. Um, grateful for it. And I encourage people who ask me, I would like help with breastfeeding. I encourage them to do so because I got a lot of joy from the experience. That doesn't mean that everybody needs to, has to, should, wants to. It's not, I mean, the the thing about formula that has been wonderful is that formula one provides nutrition for babies who need it, period, which is the most important function of formula. Um, But beyond that, it also is key to allowing um, people who lactate to make that choice, like to make the choice to breastfeed or not, or if you can't, that's, you know, either way, whatever your reasons are, and also to leave the house, to go other places, to, go other places, to work, to have a job. To, there's all kinds of things that 
that formula allow to sleep at night so that you know perhaps your partner can take a can take a feeding um or again just to supplement feeding or replace breast milk if that's not that's not the best option for what you and we're your saying family. is that this is an incredibly complex issue and if you don't understand it you should probably shut up <laughs> like you should probably well, not start talking about it it's the kind of thing that you certainly can't fix or explain with a tweet i hopefully we know that that <laughs> Um, my hope is that production is going to ramp back up and I mean, maybe we need to reevaluate. Well, first of all, we could, we, we can turn factories into whatever we want them to, right? Don't we have a defense production act? Can't we just say like make breast or make formula now? Everybody make formula. This is an, this is an emergency. We need to feed infants. I don't know what's a bigger emergency feed infants. So do that and in formula, whatever we need to do to get safe formula to, Infants, let's do it. Let's do it. Hang in there, folks. That's a stressful. If you're experiencing this and you're hit by this, I hang in there. I, I know. I wish I had a great alternative to tell you, but it's I, I don't know what it is. And I, I think right now trying to f- make your own DIY formula at home could be very dangerous. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Sawbones. Thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to everybody who supported us in the Maximum Fun Drive. Yes, thank Um, you. We're so sorry that we did not have a new episode for you last Tuesday, but it was exciting nonetheless because Dr. Cindy Small McElroy did win her uh, battle for the uh, Democratic nominee for the West Virginia House of Delegates 26th District, so we're... Very proud of her here at Sawbones HQ. Thank is, you, thank you to everybody who supported me and now the real work begins. Go ahead, said now the real work begins. <laughs> We're accepting donations now. No, no, don't say that. I just threw a dice across the room. I didn't mean to. Thanks for listening to Sawbones. Uh, until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.